Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes, Ross Martin. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. Greg, I'll start with you, and then I want you to come in, Ross, and talk about just overall the vibe in Keenan uh, today at the the press conference. Mac Brown had his press conference, I guess, three-ish in the afternoon. Inside Carolina, of course, full-on Mac's covering that after being around the state covering uh, recruiting with Don and John Bauman. But, Greg, how was it just the vibe? And then we'll dig into what was said and what it all means. Well, it's if you were around and you were old enough to uh, watch Mac Brown his first time in Chapel Hill back 30 years ago, uh, he he, had, he brought a lot of energy. You know, the old saying was he could sell ice to Eskimos, all those kinds of things, just because he would engage you. We've talked about that before, how even at his introductory press conference, he would engage you know, whichever reporter he was he was talking to. Um, and I think what we all saw on signing day was that Mac Brown is that same old Mac Brown, but if anything, at least initially, three weeks on the job, his energy levels are off the charts. I mean, he, he could not wait to talk about this class. He could not wait to talk about what's ahead. Um, he was anxious to ask questions, you know, typically, Typically, Larry Fedora um, was almost like trying to get out the door as quick as he could. And if anything, today it was funny because Mac's ready to go. He might have any more questions, any more questions. And, and Bobby Hundley, uh, SID, was finally had to say, like, look, it's, this, we need to wrap this. This is it. <laughs> and we're just not used to it. And he, he really was just high energy. And I know we've made a lot. And Media will continue to make a lot about uh, the fact that he's 67. Man, he he didn't feel like it today, and uh, I just think I just think there's just so much energy. I mean, it's like a it's like a new day for UNC football. Considering where we were a month ago, I mean, the vibe has just completely turned, and it's one of those unique things because even if you'd have brought in a guy who had potential to be good, maybe maybe not an elite guy, but somebody who had a good track record, and you thought that he was going to be able to turn it around, there would still be some hesitancy, some questions of, okay, does this guy really know what he's doing? And that's that's never been a question with Mac. Like We know he knows what he's doing. Uh, the drawback has been, okay, well, he's been out of it for five years, and his last couple of years at Texas didn't go so well. Uh, he's getting up there in age. So is Carolina really going to go down this route again? Uh, and at least initially, with, with this recruiting class, uh, with some of his hires, his interactions with fans and and the high school coaches, we can talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, but just, I mean, just as I said, just off the charts energy-wise. And it, it was pretty exciting to watch him just kind of be in his element, talking to media today about, about recruits. Ross, your thoughts there? Same, same as Greg's. I mean, it, watching it on uh, video – it's certainly – I love not having a podium. I mean, who does that? That's like a, a teacher going to – taking people to school. Coach Brown walks around uh, sans podium. Ross, your thoughts? Yeah, I think the no podium was because he was playing video highlights 
on a screen and wanted to kind of get out of the way and be able to kind of move why he directed that. So I don't know if the podium thing, the non-podium thing is going to be a, um, a fixture for, for Monday press conferences, but who knows? That was, that was a different, definitely a switch up. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with all of everything that Greg said. I, it just seems like he knows exactly what he's doing. And I think that the knock on him is the age and that maybe he's lost touch with the game and that he can't, um, you know, acclimate to the, the modern football and, and with the, the players these days. But it just seems like I mean, he's been – he's won a national championship, and he's he's five years removed from running arguably one of the, the top five program in the nation. And so he just knows how to get things done. If you watch some of the content um, that uh, UNC football put out today, it just seems like everything's just clicking. You know, he mentioned – visiting every high school in the state. He's definitely selling up the uh, bringing in the majority of people in state and then getting superstars from outside the state. Um, you know, he knew the importance of getting that quarterback and what that means for in-state recruiting and elite in-state recruiting moving forward, how important that was. Um, and it was really cool. The press conference, he broke down every single player um, and spoke about different family aspects and what this player is going to do really well you know, in this defense or he has ball skills, ball skills as a cornerback and, and how that's important and, and different things like that, which we never really heard from Alaria Fedora signing day press conference. So that was cool. But um, it just seems, I don't know, it just seems more cl- like clear, professional, and like it's big time football uh, in Chapel Hill, just the way things are being run. Uh, we're we're going to talk to the defensive and offensive coordinators and, and position coaches uh, when we get back in January. So it sounds, I mean, he, he, he mentioned that, like he's going to make things available. He's going to make things open. And that was kind of the new feel with me. It just seems very open, willing to a- answer questions, uh, willing to talk with us and, and be very, um, you know, open with, with the discussion about his program. Yeah. And Tommy, to me, that's, that just speaks to confidence. I mean, I, that's all that is because one of the funny things is somebody asked him about Dave Dorn and, and how NC state has really kind of run things in-state recruiting-wise the last year or two. And that's probably not the best way to, to phrase that because, you know, I would say they've had a year, a really good year this year. But uh, regardless, that was a question directed to Mac. And how did Mac answer that question? He immediately starts saying, you know what? I know Dave. He's a good friend of mine. He's done a great job. And David Cutcliffe, that's, Duke's done a great job. And so is Clawson at Wake Forest. And so his first response is to praise the rivals. But then as you start listening to him, as he kind of talks his way through, he gets to a point of saying, basically, we got to worry about us because we are the state school. And I know from experience that we can dominate recruiting in this state if we do it right. So he went from praising everybody to being like, uh, essentially saying, well, they should enjoy it now because where we're going, that's not going to be the case anymore. But he did it in such a PC way that Doran probably hears it. It's like, yeah, thank you. Thank- well, wait a minute. What did he say? And that's that's what you have to do. That's kind of the, the master negotiator uh, sound. And and like Ross said, I asked him specifically about you. Know, what kind of defense, what kind of offense you can run? And his initial response is, okay, well, I'll just let you know. When, once we get back, we're going to have the coordinators come out. We're going to have a press conference. And we're going to talk you through all these things that we want to do. And then he says that, and then he goes into 
you know, he gives us, you know, a minute on what he envisions offense being that, Hey, you know, I like the, the air raid. We also want to do some power run with it. So we got Phil Longo who can do that. And then Jay Bateman uh, is really good at taking, you know, maybe lesser talent and being very uh, schematic with it and experimental and, and being able to do all these different things to really help and improve the defense besides just needing a lot of talent. And it's just really open and these kind of things. And, um, you know, Butch was like that a little bit, but Butch was also a little bit reserved. I think Mac, he's been gone for five years. This is exciting to him. He's like, you know what? Doors are open. Come on in. Ask me whatever you have to ask me. We'll talk about it, and then we're going to go do it. We're not concerned with trying to hide things uh, for the sake of you know, trying to uh, make our jobs easier. We, we want to get it out there. We're going to excel with whatever we tell you we're going to do. When uh, Max said he was going to make the coordinators available and, and go over X's nose and talk you two through, uh, talk us to, through the offense defense, I looked over at Greg, and there was a glimmer in his eye. You could tell how excited <laughs> Greg was to to get back and and, and be there for that press conference. Um, but that was pretty cool. I mean, it is like he is – yeah, it's like he's very excited to be back. He wants to talk with us. I just remember one of the quotes he said, I don't know, when he was hired or at the press conference, was the, the most exciting part of his life, the five years he was out, was figuring out uh, where him and Sally would eat dinner. And that's a very old person thing. You get so <laughs> jacked up. I, don't, I mean, when you're just like you're on vacation, you're like, man, where are we going to eat today? We're going to go to the Italian place by the beach. We're going to check out the new Chinese restaurant. I mean, and that's a very old person thing. And so you can tell he's like jacked to be back and, and working with his guys. And that video after the Sam Howe commitment, they showed the coaches celebrating. That was really cool. I thought of him high-fiving everybody and, and him and Thigpen and, and Tim Brewster sharing a moment because they know they had gotten a big piece and worked really hard in those three weeks to, to bring in a guy that they had targeted from day one when they got hired in early November, late December. Yeah, it like they were watching Inside Carolina video um, of that as well. Question for both of you, Greg, you first. I heard the University of North Carolina, the state school, the uh, – place to be at unc to steal old commercial from back in the day about cranville towers but mac brown is you know other coaches talk about putting a fence around the state um recruiting the state first and then branching out mac brown with his line about you know 18 out of 22 guys are on that 11 and one team or from the state of north carolina I mean, he's actually done it it actually gives people um, Carolina football fans, uh, good feelings to hear Mac Brown talk about dominating the state of North Carolina and then also knowing that, hey, this guy's actually done it before. And you mentioned about having another coach, maybe an up-and-comer coach uh, that you know might have excited people, but nobody, Greg, nobody that Carolina could have hired save uh, three or four of the elite, uber-elite guys could give the kind of um, I guess hope for North Carolina football fans, especially when on November 24th, which wasn't that long ago, folks were uh, about as low as you can get about this program. Yeah. I'll tell you this. I've got a, a good friend in the area uh, who, who's coaches on a, on a local high school team. And he'll be the first day. They don't have anybody that's going to be playing at the FBS level next year. You know, maybe a year down the road but nobody this year. 
And the day that Mac Brown was announced as UNC's head coach, he called that school to talk to the head coach, knowing that that team had no prospects for this year for signing day. Um, and as, as Mac said during his press conference, they've contacted uh, every every school in the state, and they're going to visit every single school in the state. And with this coaching staff, everybody on that staff, all 10 guys are going to have a recruiting area in the state. And here's the, here's the quotes about his recruiting uh, approach that he, that he gave us today. Quote, we're going to win with a large majority of players from this state. We did it last time, and that will be our plan this time. Secondly, we go out of state for superstars. So what that tells you is we've done it before, like you said, Tommy. It worked. We won a lot of games. That's exactly what he did in Texas. Of course, Texas is a little bit different animal. But they're going to come back to that because they know it works. And then the only time they're going to spend a lot of time out of state is for the, the big-time guys that, that you know, they need to supplement the classes here. And I think, I think that approach um, works. And if, even when he was here the first time, it's not like he was bringing in seven or eight of the top ten every year. I think Torbush had the most ever uh, the year after Mac left, and that was maybe eight of ten. But it's kind of to his point today is if you'd have asked him three weeks ago if they could have signed the, the group of players that they did today, uh, he would have been surprised if that would have worked out the way it did. And just what has happened the last three weeks, I think, really gave him a lot of hope because he seemed pretty pretty adamant. That, look, you know, if you look at what we did the last three weeks, there's pretty reason, plenty of reason to think that we're going to have a tremendous class next year. That was the word he used, tremendous. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, he's he's been here. He's done it before. He knows what works. So he's going back to the well. And I really believe, and Tommy, I know you have an opinion on this, but I really believe it's not as though Dave Dorn is some great recruiter. There's nothing to suggest that he is. But he was better than Fedora once Fedora's tenure started to slide in the wrong direction. Uh, and so I think I think that recruiting area is ripe for the taking. Um, of course, Clemson's going to be hard to handle. But I don't think there's anybody, anybody else uh, in the the region, South Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee, that can really challenge North Carolina once they get this up and going. Other than other than Clemson, I certainly agree with that. I'm going to take a short break, come back, and we'll look a little bit deeper into what this all means. We'll be right back, Ross. So we've talked about, and Greg, I'm not ignoring your Dave Doran. And NC State comment because yes, I have very. Um, I've, got, I've got something to say about that too. But. Well, well, yeah, well, I will defer to Ross then because I got very strong feelings about how, how the last couple of years have gone down. But Ross, you go ahead. Well, I mean, I kind of heard what I think we were talking about earlier, Tommy, that and, and what Greg alluded to. Like, I don't think high school coaches really love Doran. They just didn't like Fedora. It's you know, it's not like Doran's coming in and they're just in love with him. It's just he's the he's the next guy, and so that's kind of why he's had some success recently in recruiting because some high school co- a lot of high school coaches didn't like how Fedora approached it, 
And but I don't think Dorn is like God's gift to recruiting, and he's like beloved by high school coaches. Now I don't know, you know, I'm, I haven't been in the recruiting game for two years now, so I don't have that many sources, and I don't talk with high school coach, coaches as much as uh, Don does, or, or even maybe you, Tommy. But I heard that from someone else, and I think that aligns with kind of what you've hinted to, Tommy. I, I, hey, you need to go on on this. This is your realm: high school coaches, Dave Dorn, NC State, and UNC. Well, I, I will say, and I don't want to spend too much airwaves on Dave Doran, but I will say that uh, they recruited well, even with him as the head coach. But that being said, he knew how to come down and talk to people. And he would get in the car and drive down and talk to people. And it wasn't flashy. And folks like that. Most um, your run-of-the-mill, blue-collar athlete families like somebody that just comes down and talks and can shoot the breeze about whatever i mean get to know folks not make some grand big deal about um meeting them or whatever and that's the thing that mac brown can do even though mac brown's hall of famer uh national champion all that stuff and we talked about this today he speaks to people and makes them think that are only people in the room and that's how you have to recruit these days. You have to make people feel good about themselves, and you cannot make it all about yourself. And Brown and the staff, and you got Brewster and Thigpen and, and all these guys, you know, Thigpen is loved around pretty much everywhere already. And, and now you've got Brown behind him and Brewster in there and, and the rest of the guys. So, um, it's all about how you approach things. And I think Mike Brown gets that more than maybe the previous staff did. And it wasn't all Fedora. I mean, hey. were, he had hey. plenty of guys on that staff that at least a couple that were pretty similar in their approach as Fedora was. And credit to NC State. I know that's uh hearsay here on this podcast, but they capitalized <laughs> off the four, uh, having four defensive linemen being drafted in, in the 2018 NFL draft. I mean, that was huge. They capitalized on that with with uh, Savion Jackson, C.J. Clark, and um, and uh, Joshua Harris. So, I mean, they saw the success that they had with defensive linemen and sold that to recruits, and you can sell that. That's that's a great thing to, to show them, and that's how it has led to some success in the 2019 class. And that is absolutely true. And, 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 and guys like Bradley Chubb were actively um, involved and, and talking to guys and, and all that stuff. And, and Carolina needs that. And, uh, you know, Thigpen can say, you know, this is what this guy did for me. And, but Carolina needs some uh, current people that they can do that with. You know, the, the Trubisky uh, deal didn't really pay off, or, or maybe it did, with Fortin and Reuter and now Sam Howell. But anyway – it's just a it's a new day it's a new era and like greg mentioned i mentioned and you've mentioned matt brown's done it before and it worked and while we think kids have changed and i, I tell you somebody i love listening to and that's frank martin the coach at south carolina basketball the kids haven't changed it's how adults approach the kids now you know it's a lot more social media and all that crap but kids are pretty much the same they just want to be treated like they matter and 
I think Brown gets that, and I think Brown will be successful, especially in this area where I'm from and the state of North Carolina as a whole. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you, Tommy. I think that's that's an important part of it is the uh, the ability to connect. And we've talked about it on this podcast so many times before. One of Fedora's issues, he, he was never good with the media. Uh, people, I know people who had some issues with media members kind of liked when he got chirpy. Uh, but you can be chirpy and you can get on the media because everybody makes mistakes, right? But if you do that, you have to have the other side of the spectrum where you can have one-on-one conversations. You can talk off the record and have a good dialogue. Um, and that's that's what media wants. That's what everybody wants. That's what we all want, right? I mean, if you're married and all your wife does is nag, 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 you're going to get sick of her. <laughs> I can't relate to that. But if, but if so she, you will. Girl, you know, you will, right? You're, you're so young. <laughs> but if it's nag, 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 and then you have some really good times, that's part of the deal. There's a, there's a give and take. And unfortunately, uh, Fedora struggled with that. Mac is if anything, on the other side, where he's he's giving so much and he enjoys that part of it. So media has al- already picked up on it. Uh, the fans clearly have. And so it makes sense that he goes into uh, Tristan Miller's house and it, he goes into Sam Howell's house and Emory Simmons, the guys that were going elsewhere. And we're talking three weeks. And three weeks and Mac Brown flipped a guy. Now, granted, I know Fedora had been working on him, so give Fedora and his staff credit. But three weeks to, to flip a, a top 100 quarterback. I mean, how many times has that happened in, in North Carolina football history? Not, not very often. And so it just opens up so many doors. And Tommy, you're exactly right. He has every reason to be cocky and arrogant because he has won. He's won a title. He's won a ton of conference championships. But he is not at, in any – any shape or form that way um that you lee pace tweeted out this morning i thought it was great that some of the negative recruiting that's already taking place is people are calling him grandpa and what's his response to that well i am a grandpa (laughs) i've got (laughs) grandkids that's a great thing there's nothing wrong with that and everybody loves granddad i mean every kid loves the granddad (laughs) that's right so those kind of things i think are just that's just deflecting negativity and, and espousing positivity. I think before we get, maybe get into deeper into this recruiting class and broader scheme things, I think it's so similar how Mac Brown and Roy Williams are. Um, I noticed Mac Brown had was flashing his national championship ring today. So you see that ring, and I know Roy does that a lot at certain moments, especially with recruiting. And he wears it just normally, but just so big. You can't think he wears it around everywhere. And they both have a lot of confidence. They both have that folksy kind of southern feel that makes you feel like you know the guy, and they can story tell stories, and it, it kind of makes it you know fun to listen as a fan or or a media person. And they both won big at big time programs, and there's a confidence to what they do. Um, and there is like you know, there's people who try to negatively recruit or, or or bash them for certain things, but they're proven coaches who kind of know how things work despite their age. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, that's about it. It's kind of weird how similar they are. I don't know if y'all see that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the old folksy type guys, granddads, I mean, folks tend to like them. Now, a lot of people listening to this will say, well, Roy Williams can't get 
uh, you know, the five-star recruits, but, you know, somehow he manages to have more national championships and more tournament wins and all that stuff since he's been back at Carolina than any coach. So something's working there. I think, I think coach Williams is doing all right. I think Matt Brown's going to do all right. Let me take one more short break. We'll come back. Now I got a question for you, Greg, because I think it, uh, it certainly bodes well for the future for North Carolina football. Greg, let me ask you about, um, what this class means and specifically let's talk and to our listeners, Don Callahan and John Siegley are going to get down into the weeds with the recruiting class or with the signees later this week on the Inside Carolina podcast. And they'll do that. That's Don's area of expertise, and John's really good at it as well. But you mentioned the Sam Howell flip, Greg. And I tweeted something out earlier, and this is what's amazing to me is, given where North Carolina's been with quarterbacks the past two seasons, now going into spring practice, uh, not too far from here, you know, not too long from here, Carolina will have Howell, Fortin, and Reuter as their top three guys. Given where they've been to that point right there, I mean, that's just – that to me is probably as nuts as anything that's happened in the last month. Well, for sure, and the fact that, you know, you, you got to give Fedora a little bit of credit because with Grant, I mean, first of all, he, he recruited Reuter and Fortin, so props there. But also, uh, he could have he could have stubbed his toe in trying to get Fortin ready for the NC State game and played him against Western. Uh, and had he played against Western and NC State, he would have lost a year of eligibility. And given how things were going for Fedora with his job on the line. He made the smart decision for the for the player in that situation. So, give him give him credit for that. But yeah, uh, the fact that North Carolina has some some quality options, still very young, very inexperienced, having to learn a new system is a, a game changer. So there's going to be some bumps in the road. But I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that Mac Brown would not be on this kick that he's been on, where he said numerous times that we're not trying to rebuild. We're not trying to uh, get young guys playing time. We want to win now. We want to win next year. I don't think he would be saying those kind of things if he didn't think he liked what was on this team. And I know he said that he hasn't watched much film at all of the returning guys. Uh, I have to think that he's he's watched enough to know that you know, he, he's got something to work with. Um, but you know, in terms of this recruiting class, two things. Number one, this we we all knew this was going to be a bridge class, so if you can get some key pieces like a how, uh, and he, he seems really high on on Tristan Miller as well, uh, and Emory Simmons and some of these other guys, but as a bridge class is shaping up pretty well, and it, they're probably going to add another half dozen players. So they need cornerbacks, they need linebackers, and and maybe another big guy in the trenches. He mentioned center specifically, but also said it could be on the defensive side of the ball. So there's potential there for them to sign a couple more big-name guys over the next seven weeks. And if you get another four-star, two four-stars, and a couple three-stars, what was looking like a horrible recruiting class all of a sudden becomes, you know, fringe top 25, which would be phenomenal for a bridge class, which is what this is. It really sets the stage for next year because, again, give – Fedora credit for a strong 2018 recruiting class. The other thing 
and we, we touched on this earlier, but if you're going to make the point that you know, we are going to do everything we can to win the state of North Carolina in recruiting, you have to have evidence that it works. And we can sit here and we can, we can talk about what happened in 1997 all we want. None of these kids being recruited right now were alive at that point in time. This is us as old men reminiscing of the past, right? So you have to make some things happen now. And what did he do? Tristan Miller, four-star offensive lineman from Charlotte. Emory Simmons, committed to Penn State. Wide receiver from North Carolina. Sam Howe, committed to Florida State from outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. The three of your biggest pickups in this class in a span of three weeks had all been committed elsewhere, and you got them to flip to North Carolina. So those are three feathers in your cap already of saying, you know what, we've, we've made a point of saying we're going to recruit North Carolina and we're going to dominate North Carolina. Here's three examples in three weeks. And so I think those, those two things are the biggest part of this recruiting class. It, it went from looking – like it's going to be a really poor class, one of the worst that UNC's ever had probably, uh, to be in a class that, while not great, uh, could be very serviceable. Yeah, and to add on to that, talking about the numbers, I think kind of right around when Fedora was being fired, the class was ranked in the 60s, uh, and 60s overall, and now it's ranked number 37. It was, I think, at 36 a couple hours ago. Uh, and it's number six in the ACC, which is kind of incredible. Um, so it's in the top half of the, of the ACC. Um, of course, headlined by those three in-state guys, Hal, Miller, and Simmons. Um, a couple things. You know, I definitely think the, the defense of side of the ball definitely needs to be improved talent-wise. And that's going to be certainly a thing to look for um, heading into the February signing day. They mentioned offense, uh, defensive line and some corner spots. There just needs to be an upgrade in talent. You think if you get Thigpen out there, uh, Dre Bly, and Bateman, who you know we've heard that he's a pretty good recruiter, but he hasn't really done it at a very high level. He was at Elon and then Ball State and then at Army, where all those places are very limited in type of players you can get. But I've met the guy. He, he seems like a very uh, personable, down-to-earth type guy. And once they see what he can do on defense – I think kids will want to play for him. So I'm interested to see how he does on the recruiting trail on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and, of course, all the coaches recruit different positions based on their geographic area. But that's what I like to see. I mean, get some get good linemen, linebackers, some four-star talent in there, size and speed, and, and build up that defensive talent. Because looking to next year, we all kind of know there is a lack of talent on the defensive side of the ball. They've lost a lot. They've replaced a lot of – starters um you know at linebacker corner safety and defensive line uh and that's going to be where they struggle next year um and additionally tommy you're talking about quarterbacks yeah i don't don't know if we if we need to get too high on on ruder and fortin i mean it's such a small um sample size of how good they are i think people just assume based on uh, basically one half of football that one of those two guys is going to is going to lead UNC to eight wins next year. I mean that I think it's a little early to kind of jump to that conclusion of how good those two guys could be and I think it's important to be cautious with with 
with what to expect from them because I, I think that the offensive side of the ball will be super talented, especially if the whole offensive line comes back because I think skill position-wise, they will be top in the ACC. But um, quarterback, I think you still got to head into the season with a little cautious optimism. Yeah, and they're all three learning a new system, so that exactly. kind of puts them, puts them all on the same level. So, Ross, what's next? Uh, you know, February signing day, I get, but what's next for this this coaching staff? And, Greg, you can answer it too. I mean, I saw Lonnie Galloway's little thing uh, on uh, that Jones Angel did, and those are very good if folks want to check them out. No problem telling folks to check those videos out on another on another station. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he said vacation, finding a place to live um, and, and doing those things. What's next for the program? after a day like today, early signing day. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a dead period. Uh, and so they'll just take their, you know, take a breath and, and relax a little bit. But, I mean, I, a big part about, I don't know how it works with the recruiting calendar, but usually right when this signing day happens, I know this is true when it was in February, I mean, they start on the next class. They're making calls already saying this time next year, 2020 class is going to be you. I don't know if, how that works out with the contact period and when they can reach out to players. But I mean, I mean, recruiting never stops. So they they start on the next class. They definitely have some offers out. And they're looking at who they're going to target in state, and, and that's where that begins as they wrap up the 2019 class. Um, I don't know if Gregory mentioned this, but they're looking to add uh, some offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and corners, I believe, um, to to round out the 2019 class. That will be the first Wednesday in uh in february but you know gregory mentioned it but mac intends to have a really good 2020 class especially in state with a full year to recruit them so that's kind of where the attention turns now yeah tommy to to answer the questions about the dead period dead period started uh this week and it runs through january 10th so uh very limited over the next three weeks with what they can do recruiting wise and so I think really kind of kind of where this has been is as soon as Mac was hired, he understood the importance of recruiting. So he had Fig in place. He worked hard to get Brewster in place, who I thought was interesting today. He said uh, Brewster was possibly the best recruiter in, recruiter in the country. Um, I hadn't heard him say that before, but I thought that was that was an interesting tidbit. Um, but it was get you those guys as well as Gillespie and, and Chad Scott who remained. Uh, currently on staff and let those guys kind of hold down the fort recruiting wise while Mac filled out his coaching staff. And then at that point in time, it's all hands on deck trying to do whatever you can to get to today and have some success, which they did. I, I think they would check this off as a victory. This this early signing period. And now they can take a, a deep breath and they can really start to think, okay, how, how do things shape up in terms of, uh, how we want to move forward and they can sit down and they can figure out exactly their game plan for the next, you know, when, when they come back the, the next month of recruiting to finish out this class. But like Ross said, what a lot of coaching staffs did last year with that first signing period is way more kids signed in that December period than anybody thought they would. And I know what Fedor and his staff did is because most of their guys signed while they still were recruiting for that February signing day, now they had a lot of free time. You know, and 
relative terms. And so they could devote that time to working on the, the next class. And so no doubt that's what, that's what these next couple of weeks will be is if narrowing down the options for, for the finishing this class while looking ahead and, and establishing a plan so that as soon as that dead period uh, comes off, that they can really start reaching out to kids and, and contacting them. And then on signing day, of course, you can start contacting all the, all the juniors and it starts all over again. So um, a little bit of a breather now over the holidays before it ramps back up again. I think another big part is, is figuring out what they have on this team. When they, all the coaches got hired, they didn't really get a chance to look at the personnel on the 2018 Tar Heels and what they have looking ahead to 2019. So they'll look at tape and review and look at depth charts and see who's coming back and who's going to the NFL and make all those decisions as they prepare for spring practice. I mean, there's the, whatever is going to be the equivalent of blue dawn is, is what a month and a half away in, in February. And then they have um, spring practice starts in, I want to say March, maybe yeah, March to April. So, I mean, they got to start planning for that and install the offense and defense and figure out how they're going to um, work their scheme around the personnel they have and begin with that. Cause I, I think it's been all recruiting since they got boots on the ground in Chapel Hill. Yes, I heard him say, or heard Curtis Brown say, got to uh, get with the team after they all get back. Because I think most kids are away, you know, for the Christmas holiday, and they get back after the first of the year, and so they can meet their new coaches and, and get down to business. It's a uh, it's an interesting time for North Carolina football. I think we'd all agree. Y'all mentioned it that uh, the early signing period. Um, certainly a success, very much a success, given what it looked like just a month ago. Greg and Ross, you guys have been awesome. Don Callahan, John Siegley will, will handle the recruiting show in more in depth later in the week. There's tons of content from everybody, Greg and Ross included, on Inside Carolina. Message boards are popping. I mean, if you're into recruiting, it's time to get on Inside Carolina and check it out. Ross and Greg, I hope you guys get a chance to have a little bit of downtime during the Christmas holiday, but appreciate you taking time to join me for this one. Hey, Tommy. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.